What's up, Jordan? We did it. We hit it. This is our 50th show. We've got a very special guest. Wyclef Sean is our guest today. Yeah, we're going to talk to Wyclef today about so many things, but what I'm most interested and excited to talk to him about is he's this little boy from Haiti. He comes to the States. He's living in the projects. And, you know, he grows up to be one of the biggest people in the entertainment industry ever. And, you know, that's something to talk about. One thing that's different about Wyclef versus other guests is that he has his own podcast, Run That Back, where he interviews people from music, from news, um, from all over the entertainment industry. And so it'll be fun to talk to him about actual podcasting. Actually, last night, um, I watched his show that he had Clive Davis on his show. Okay. Now, I don't even know how you would get Clive Davis on a show. Like, I don't even know who we would have to talk to, how many, I don't even know. Literally, he's talking to Clive Davis about his collaborations with Whitney Houston and Mary J and just two greats, you know, talking about the music industry. And it's, it's a great, it's a great show. Wyclef is not our only guest. We will also have a performance by the group Jagmac later in the show. Here we go. Here we go. Wow. Wyclef, how are you? What's up, my people? How you doing? Man, look, I literally, look, I just woke up, look. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being on. Uh, congratulations. We've been listening to the podcast. The podcast is great. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Love the show. So tell us why you decided to make a podcast and what did you want the show to be? Um, well, I used to go to like uh, to London a lot. There was a show called Lies with Jules Holland. And, you know, me in the game, it's like, I'm all about like music. Like I'm a music freak. And what that means is whether if it's jazz, classical, like I'm the wrong guy to put in jeopardy and, and give me music, you know? So <laughs> I wanted like to do a, a music like show where like, Artists can come on, two sets of artists, big artists that you know, and then like locals that you don't even know, and they blow you away. So I saw that in Jews Holland in London, and I always wanted my own show. So I was like, okay, let's start it at the house. We're going to do the jam sessions. And then COVID happened. And the minute the COVID happened, I said, damn, I still need to start this thing. So we literally just started shooting it at the house um and catching a vibe i set up my recording studio and it's just been like really cool it's been like pretty cool i'm, I'm still bummed because you know like wait till you see the episode with carlos santana i just wish i had santana at the house so for now i'm not complaining everyone who's watching y'all gonna love it but i can't wait for this thing to be over because i want the physicality of the humans around me <laughs> So do you, do you book the guests yourself? I mean, how much uh, say do you have? And do you have a producer you're working with? How do you set the, the, the shows up? Okay, so I'm like a super creative, you know what I'm saying? I'm like that guy that I'm a coder, I'm a engineer, I'm a, a show promoter. I worked at Burger King, I, you know? I, I, I set the tone to what I wanted, you know? I wanted something. Okay, so when you're watching, the reason why you run that back on my show is do you notice how the guests are usually shocked and surprised when I take one of their songs and I remix it or reproduce it? 
Um, Lena Way, I scored an entire part of her movie again. Um, when y'all listen to Shaq, you will listen to Shaq like you've never heard him before. Um, he's remixed Guantanamera from the carnival. I don't want to spoil it. So for me, the only way that it can work is it has to be directed by me, but with incredible creators you know what i'm saying so i think like i'm surrounded by the best creatives like the the actual um people um that that literally put a lot of this together madeline nelson you know carrie just different people that just um understands the culture and understands that i'm eclectic you know what i'm saying and being eclectic um i always want a group of people with like different stories you know when i first heard that you had a podcast my first thought was, what is Wyclef doing to separate himself from other? Because it's a crowded field. There's a lot of podcasts out there. And I want to mm -hmm. say your podcast, your show is really different than other shows I've heard. I mean, it's really not a straight interview like this is. It's more of a conversation. It's more of a free flowing, you know, thoughts going back and forth. And you also have background music playing throughout the interview. So when it came to the format, did you initially did, did you have any reservations about interviewing people because you say in the trailer that you don't like to interview people oh i said i don't do interviews i have conversations it's oh, it's yeah, really yeah. real um so to your point so one is the reason why you hear the music in the background is because one of our companies um that we're building is called sodo mood lab it's a scoring company so i i want to like compete with jingle punk in the future you know what i'm saying so i literally you know i have a jazz background so my my teacher i remember like being 16 and a, a music teacher discovered me she was like how many instruments you play um because she saw me playing piano and i was like i play like 12 instruments i'm a cocky little kid thinking i'm muhammad ali mm -hmm. she was like well what don't you play I was like upright bass and she was like tomorrow you're starting with upright bass and when I started in jazz uh, Miles Davis bitches brew what I understood and I I love scoring because I, I I always said that there's a form of music that goes with conversation like whether you at the dinner table there's something about music with the neuro and at times when I would hear you know podcasts I can imagine what the music should be in the background right so um and podcasts some of them that try to do the source music wherever they're getting it at y'all need to just come to sodo mood lab because they're not putting their souls to it so what i've done was i thought it would be kind of cool is if we animated around the storytelling if i'm telling a goat story and we hear sound effects we hear because as we move towards the modern world and as we keep going my thing is i always say an entire movie of the future will be told in three minutes you know what i mean unless you can keep the person's attention and i think that's all we keep trying to do like how we can keep your attention I love your Metallica sweater. Yo, let me tell baby, let me tell you, like, I, I think, and it's so crazy because, you know, like growing up, like in the hood where I came from, um, I remember being in the projects in Brooklyn before moving to Jersey. And I had my pink Floyd t-shirt on because I was just the other kind of kid like on a block i was like the will i am of my neighborhood like what are you listening to <laughs> and i was it was so crazy um and i just wanted to be an engineer 
because of like Metallica and uh, and um, and Pink Floyd, because like the way the music was like produced, I was like, what the hell is this? Like the sound of it. So I was like more going in the engineering field, you know what I mean? So everybody that can't see or could see, you know, you already know, man, Metallica still, baby. The, the Carnival was a really important album for me growing up because it gave me um, something else to listen to in the hip hop field that wasn't in the mainstream. It was a really eclectic album. Like you said, there was hip hop, there was rock, there was reggae, there was folk on the album. Um, you're coming off the score and you're making this solo album. What was the mindset in terms of what, the, what kind of music you wanted to make? Did you feel pressure um, to make hits? And were, did you have any reservations about making an album that had so many musical directions? I mean, I don't really have, I've never had pressure making hits, right? Cause it's like, I'm really a hippie. You know what I'm saying to you? Like, you know, I'm, I like Rick Rubin. You feel what I'm saying? Look, you at the crib right now and I'm going on my bed to talk to you. So <laughs> it's like- I always, Whoa, there's mirrors I, everywhere. Everywhere, baby. Thank you so for you know, taking us and showing <laughs> us your crib. This is yeah. insane. Yes, yes, yes. You know. Uh, I'm a Caribbean person, so, you know, mirrors got to be <laughs> everywhere, you know. I just hope these videos, my mirror videos, don't make it to the internet, but we're good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, no, just saying, like, man, I never believe in the idea of pressure because it's sort of like the pressure comes from validation, right? And for me, when you listen to the score, the Fugees is short for refugees, so it's more like I would listen to like Bono, you know what I mean? Joshua Tree. And I was like, yo, we got to convey a message. You know what I mean? I would listen to Bob Marley. I never like really thought like, oh man, it's going to be so much pressure. After the score, when I did the carnival, I, did, I had no idea like what it was going to do. I just was like, man, I remember when I was in Firetown College, and I was in this dorm and we had a dorm band and we used to smoke a lot. And I was like, yo, I want to create a piece of art that has no borders. Like when you hear it, language is no barrier, rhythms is no, like it really shows how much like we are really one. And um, so the carnival was just a, a melting pot to remind humans that as much as like they try to like put us in these categories, it was like, your country, your hip hop, your rock, your idea. No, like we are just artists, we're musicians. And the idea is that you can either feel it or not feel it. So with the idea of the carnival, it's just me trying to give, get back to a human experience with the people, you know? You're still all over the map musically. Uh, you did a song with Fall Out Boy last year, which was, which was a lot of fun. Where are you at with your own music personally now? Like, are you recording? Are you working on anything outside of the podcast? What are you doing? Um, well, I record every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think like if something was to happen to me, God forbid, like the beat, like you could dig into like the lost files of Wyclef like you did with Bob Dylan. But what I am ex very excited about now is at 50, right? I just turned 51, baby, how I look. So you look great. Thank you, baby. So what's incredible right now that I wanted to do in my life is I followed the blueprint of Quincy Jones. 
Quincy Jones didn't find Michael Jackson until he was 53. So while I'm looking for Michael Jackson, um, what I'm excited about now is the first animation movie ever in the course of history living about my country, Haiti, will be my story in animation form from when I was one to 10, how I escaped poverty through imagination. Now, I got the director, I got a director of Spider-Man, you know, I got a lot, I got a big team. What I'm excited about with this animation film is you mentioned the carnival. This album, I'm inspired by, you know, Gershwin. I'm inspired by The Sound of Music. I'm inspired by West Side Story. For the first time, I want everyone that's listening, when you first heard Rio, it gave you a feeling. When you first heard The Lion King, it made you want to know more about Africa and where the parts of this. When you hear the score, when you hear the music I'm doing for this, it's called The Prince of Port-au-Prince, you are going to hear the influence of Haiti. And this is big because it's like at the end of the day, when I come to America, I'm like, you know, oh, McDonald, half on, E-I-E-I-O, and on, you know, and you grow up, A-B-C-D-E-M-G-E-H-I-J. <laughs> so, so it's like, what's cool about this is I get to take you through music now that you will remember 20, 30 years, 40 years from now. And now you will learn the Creole language, the Kringlish, right? Creole mixed with English in a way that you've never heard it. So to tell you that, I'll be scoring my feature film, animated Prince of Port-au-Prince, and now it's gonna live in the space of Cinderella, Robin Hood, Bewitch, and y'all don't have to worry. The sound, all I could do is tell you, when you hear the soundtrack to Prince of Port-au-Prince, just make sure that you're not wearing no shoes and you have two outfits. Because when I tell you you're gonna dance, because remember, I'm going to pick up where I left off of Hips Don't Lie, but there was something going on, like you saw how the fusion of Colombia and Haiti, but now I want y'all to think of the fusion of the world with Haiti. You were a little boy from Haiti, right? Yeah. You came to Brooklyn. You were, you were living in the projects. How do you become the, one of the biggest entertainers of all times mm. through all that? So everybody that's listening, I, I want them to understand. And the, the movie I say, from one to 10, how I escape poverty through imagination is this. I'm telling y'all, and I'm gonna tell y'all again, y'all could use me as the American dream. I was in Marlboro Projects on the roof with my brother. And at the time, the Italian mafia was running the projects in Marlboro. And you know, it's, I'm, I'm like perfect to run numbers because I can't speak English. So you catch me, I'm just a little kid. And we on the roof. I looked at my brother, I said, yo, what you gonna be? He said, yo, I'm going to be a lawyer. We speak in Creole. And he looked at me, he said, what you gonna be? I said, I'm gonna be a gangster, man, because I can't see mama living like this. We have to get her out of this situation. And my mom, I always said, she took a gun out of my hand and replaced it with a guitar at like 12 years old. And what that did was in my brain, it's like everything that I was doing was like, I gotta get my mama a better situation. And so it's sort of like some people do music to just do music. 
it was a survival for me. Like if I, I couldn't see my mom on welfare, I had to, it's almost like everybody who loved their parents would do anything, whatever it takes to see their parents out of a situation. So for me, the gods blessed me with a voice, but they said, well, out of a trillion people, how do you make it? And I say, okay, so here's the little secret. Bob Marley says, when one door is closed, another door is open. And what Wyclef says is, when one door is closed, another door is closed, and then another door is closed. Mm -hmm. And just when you want to fucking give up, this is what determines you making it or not. That door will open, but you can't, because once you put it in the air and says, oh, fuck, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to, you're not. You have to really believe it, 3 trillion percent, because you would be surprised how much mystique, how much magic that we have as human beings. We, we could talk things into existence. So I think that's sort of like what separates a lot of us from a lot of us. When you came over from Haiti when you were a kid, um, what do you remember about the actual journey, about coming to America, about settling in to American schools, about making that adjustment? It was a culture shock because I came from a place with no electricity, a place with no water. Like you literally had to walk for miles to get water. So I landed and there's the Twin Towers, my man. Like, you know what I'm saying? pitching into down Kennedy Airport. I said, wow, I'm in the city of diamonds. That's how it looked like to me from the sky, you know. Um, settled in in school was rough because we was in the projects, couldn't speak English, you know. Watched my cousin get shot. I was just headed like down the wrong road. And I would say, I understand like the idea of like, being an immigrant and then this is what makes america incredible is that the fact that we're a melting pot you know what i mean um and within this melting pot i had to find my space and to to find your space you go on these different journeys you know what i mean and then i would always say for me even though it was a culture shock within the space of education i felt so fortunate because where i came from we, we came from nothing so if you give me a bus card, I'm going to make it work. You feel me? So I think like I fell in love with English um, literature, like Shakespearean, because I liked English. I, li I love music, but English, I learned to master the language so that I could battle rap. Because if I battled rap, then I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, get into knife fights, gun fights. You, you literally get respect. You get respect from people. Yeah, you settle the beef like lyrically. So um, that helped me a lot through my journey. You spoke with Clive Davis, um, who is known to be a mentor of yours, about Brooklyn being this wonderful uh, melting pot of different people coming from all over the place. Um, I saw that on your show. What are some things that you learned from Clive Davis that you've taken through you? Uh, through your career? Um, what I've learned from Clive Davis, who's one of my godfathers in the business, is that you have to be consistent. You have to always show up. And 
you could never take nothing for granted and you have to embrace the fall embrace the fall do not be scared to fall people do not be scared to fail like it's okay because when you rise and you open your wings like the phoenix ain't nothing gonna stop you that's what i learned from clive always be tough they can say no all they want but the yes will come how do you feel about the record industry now and the way it's treating artists um in the streaming era well i think that you know unfortunately some of it is sad dude some of it is really sad because think about like right now like we in a COVID, right so think about an artist that was streaming right if they streaming they really not gonna see no money like that you know what i mean like real money like they not i don't care what anybody's saying um but so this is what happens if you get a hit from streaming you're probably making 50 bands a week like in a club you know what i'm saying to you like you could make like 50 bands now COVID ain't no money coming in for these kids now literally how are they making money usually if this is my era right the royalties would still come in the publishing still comes in everything is clean every three yo dude still till today every three months royalty checks come in my envelope and they're like seven digits you understand so think about that will these kids see that when they're 51 dude like will, will they be able to just chill and so at the end of the day what i am liking though within this revelation is like the kids are up they're awake you know i appreciate people like kanye you know putting the information out there because it's very important um i constantly put information out there that's very important i also raised the publishing fund for my company of 25 million to compete and to give kids fair publishing deals and within these situations like we've been like screwed over so long that it's time to to get back what's ours the sad thing is how much do you really want like how much do you want to eat like king henry like do like the obesity the you know and and all of these kids are literally looking like for an opportunity and i feel like the ties are changing there was a story of you with the boombox and you take you take your neighbor's boombox you bring it to school to show all the kids i didn't take it i stole it <laughs> <laughs> and you well you do this in all good heart because you are just trying to show yeah. school yeah has your success in music changed your outlook and love for music in any way well, yeah, great question. So you're right. I, I, I took the boom box because I felt like kids needed to hear music in the school. And I felt that, you know, it, it didn't turn out good for me. My father gave me a West Indian Day, a West Indian Day parade whooping. Let's just say that. Um, and I ain't never take a box since then. But it, I've always been the kid that is like, I guess Robin Hood, you know what I mean? Like, if I'm in the class and the kids like, yo, I would like to hear music. I, I'm always, I think that the way that music has changed my life, I look as music is one of the five forces of nature now, even more than I did before. Um, even like dealing with mental health on different friends that I know some of them have committed suicide 
including Avicii, you know, who was like a little nephew to me. Um, but I noticed that music can be a form of healing. And um, even so more than today, like while I'm sitting back and I'm scoring this, um, creating all of this like new score. And then I'm like, okay, where's the Zen music at? Where's the music like when someone has a real rough day, all they want to do is be in harmony with self. So it's like you start to think of music differently. On your show, you, you tell stories on every episode about your experience with the Fugees, about growing up, about your time in the music industry. And on one episode, you, you talk a lot about the studio you had in New Jersey before the Fugees got big. What do you remember about those days and, and hustling studio time and kind of creating this little world in New Jersey for artists to record in? I mean, I, 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 I say that I'm the original Haitian Dr. Dre of my hood. And so we're in East Orange, New Jersey, and there was two crews. I called our crew the refugee, and then we had the outsiders. The outsiders was on the other yeah. side. Eminem was at one time part of the outsiders. Um, Akon was part of the refugees, right? I created this open space. I never closed the basement. I literally, you know, they would rob everybody on the blocks, but literally the basement stayed open. I did keep a shotgun in there though. Um, and we kept the basement open and, you know, we was literally like Johnny cashing in there. Like literally what was cool about that was it gave kids in the neighborhood a different opportunity. Like dudes would come in and be like, yo, um, I really want to get a recording going. Cause if I get this going, I might be able to get a deal with RCA records. And I watched the block shift. I watch kids get killed, but at the same time, I watch kids change their mentality because of that studio. That studio brought an idea of, damn, even I can't blame myself. I got to try as hard as I can. Then if I don't make it, I'll do something else. And from that studio, what I learned was in rural communities, if children get options, they would not sell drugs. They would not gangbang. Like if you gave them real options, you know, he plays ball, right? Really work on his ball skills. He, he, he does tech, really work on that. You know, she wants to be a doctor, really help her um, within these situations. Um, that's what I learned from the booger. Do you still enjoy being in the studio? I know you still like making music, but do you still feel home, like you're home at a control board uh, on the other side of the glass? Man, it's so funny you say you say that. Um, I'm in the main house. I'm not even in the, the the music house. So, dude, literally, I have a club in my house. I feel like DJing. I go DJing. Then you go upstairs. I got a movie theater where I score. Literally, in my bedroom, I got my Apple computer and, and my speak. Man, when I tell you, I live, I breathe, I eat. I don't like music. For me, it's like people be like, "Yo." you tripping. I'm like, no, this is my therapy. Like that's my therapy. Like I talk to music and music talks back to me. So no, because I've never, so the music is not, I, maybe I enjoy it because it's not a hustle. You feel me? Like I have absolutely nothing to prove. There's nothing. It's more like 
you know, when you get up, it's just a joyful feeling, right? Um, and it's always been like that. Man, when I was coming out, I remember doing so, so much and people's like, oh, he's going to burn out. He's doing too much, he's gonna burn out. Look, man, it's like, what, 30 years later? And I'm just really getting started now. So it's all good. You worked with everyone from Shakira to Mary J, to The Rock, to Fall Out Boy. Um, who has been your favorite to collaborate with and maybe your least favorite? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, like he's going to call out his least favorite collaborator. <laughs> I, I, I got to even be careful with the, even the you. first part because God forbid Shakira listening to this and I don't say her and Mary <laughs> J is listening and I don't say her. <laughs> well, let, let, let me redirect the question a little bit, Clef. We were talking about Hips Don't Lie before you came on the call. And <laughs> that must have been a really fun era for you to watch Shakira up close go from conquering music in her own country to conquering music in America. And you were part of that journey for her. Um, well, the, the record was done two years prior to Shakira. I did it for another artist called Claudette Artis. And it was, um, I was with Clive and it was on a soundtrack that Clive Davis was doing, um, uh, which was like Havana Nights. And two years later, and I, okay, so listen to the original record, everyone that's listening, you're gonna trip out. So two years later, I'm with Charlie Walk and Donnie Island, and they're like, yo, we need a record for Shakira. And I'm like, hmm, I actually have a record that y'all could actually remix, you know what I mean? And they heard Hips Don't Lie, they went crazy, got me and Shakira on the phone. Shakira said she had a dream about me. And y'all already know, I'm like tripping. I'm like, Shaki, what's your dream? Tell me, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, please. I wouldn't mind hearing that, yeah. <laughs> so we connected in Miami and we put the cultures together. And when the cultures became together, the, it went from a record to a cultural phenomenon. That was another thing that I learned, right? Because you can have a record and it could be a hit, but a cultural phenomenon is a different thing. That's when everyone feels like they're part of that record. Like they are actually Shakira and Wyclef. Like they, you know, they, they do memes, they have fun, they're them. Um, and what happens is for me, that's like celebration of culture. So, and it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Cause you know, it's like the biggest pop song like of all time in the era, you know what I mean? Like played on the air. Um, so it's good to be up there with Michael Jackson and Elvis record, a little boy from Haiti. And I would say what I remember was like, you know, when I'm remixing the record and then Shakira was like, the record is not a hit if my hips don't move. I, I got to tell y'all, if y'all listening, like it was very distracting. I still don't know how I got the beat done um, watching Shakira dance, like. So she's uh, dancing while you're making the beat. Yeah, yeah, you feel me? Like, it, it, yeah. And you got to and you got to perform that song on all the big award shows and just like have this hips don't like victory tour, so to speak. Yeah, and then it was incredible. But for me as a writer, because I'm always like a writer and a producer, I tell people I never wanted to be in the limelight. I wanted to be the person who could create the star. So for me. 
um, whether if it's Hips Don't Lie or DJ Khaled and Rihanna's Wild Thought, which is my record again, which is a sample from Maria Maria that I did for Santana. Um, it just, everybody that's writers out there and producers and always remember, if you can give someone a hit, you will always have a job. Always remember that. You mentioned you're, you're just getting started. What are you personally listening to? What kind of music are you into right now? Well, I think that there's an indie space out there, right? Because when we all start off, we start off, I want to start highlighting and showcasing a lot. I want to use my platform because I feel that the next Amy Winehouse is not going to come from a 20 million on an Instagram, you know what I mean, View, views, um, or 100 million views on a YouTube. I think it's coming from an indie platform. So... As I'm looking towards the future, you know, I'm part of a label called Heads Music, all-female label. You know, I'm a partner and got in early. I'm amazed by that label because the idea of working with independent artists and artists that are not trying to sell their souls and they sells, but they sound totally amazing. Um, how do we create platforms and make it as big as if they had the 100 million views? So I'm very excited about those kind of platforms. There's a platform on YouTube called Colors and it has a lot of real cool independent artists. Um, I follow like a lot of jazz kids. Um, I feel I'm very, I'm inspired by the independent artist space. That's the most place where um, I know. So somebody says, are you still inspired? Which part of the music inspires you? And I have to tell you, it's the independent artist space. You have so many things that you are doing currently. How in the world do you balance everything? Yeah, it's are, so you big, are you a big schedule keeper? Are you big, are you real big on the organization? Um, I'm going to give y'all the word. It's called chaotic order. Right. And what that means is um, I definitely have an incredible like manager business partner named Madeline Nelson. Um, listen, guys, I love y'all to death, you know, but there's something about the brain of women when it comes to organization, we cannot ever, ever touch them. You can do whatever you want. When a woman puts it together, she puts it together. She doesn't forget anything. She's on you as if you're in the military. And, uh, and it's like a 24 <laughs> seven thing, you know what I'm saying? You have this show. Do you have a dream guest? You can get pretty much anyone you want, it feels like. You got Shaq, you got Clive Davis. Who would you want on the show that you haven't got on yet? Um, I think that we, we this, where the show is going, I want to get, I want to get more like um, Guy Laliberté, the creator of Cirque du Soleil. I want to get like Jeff Bezos. Um, I wanted Chris Birch and I got him um, because like every, everybody within my culture is all, you know, aspired to be billionaires. So um, I really wanted Birch because I wanted, I like the way he, he breaks um, business down. Um, so I think like some, cause with the music guests, I think with the music guests, the music guests will always like, be able to pull good people but i think you know <clears throat> who are the future astronauts do they like music you know you have a, a plan now for p 
people to go to um to the moon you know what i mean um i want to talk more like to those those people um i'm excited about that and don't the show is going to stay very clever because what's clever about it is it's not a celebrity show like i'm not trying to do something where oh because a celebrity got a name or they hot on a billboard let's get them that is corny to me that is part of a structure that i've been with in 30 years so but it's more like this is what i tell the guests right and it's real simple if people tell me describe my show right at the end of the day i remember being 16 years old in high school and they'd be like yo the it factor is coming to talk to you. You know what I mean? And the it factor is the people that are very successful in that space. And when they would come in there, I would fall asleep because they'd be like, I did this, I did that, I did that. All I need is the information so I can do it. So what I love about the guest that comes on the show, they are literally pouring their heart out and they're vulnerable to give the public information. And I think that's the difference. Clef, before we let you go, we're living in dark times. We have the election coming up right around the corner. Do you see any reason to be optimistic in this time? Do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? How do you feel about the state of the world today, given what's going on? I definitely see light within the end of the tunnel because this is the, the United States of America. And no matter what we stay saying, we traveled all over the world. There's no place like this. There'll never be a place like this because... This is the opportunities where dreams come to. Now, I remember in a course of history and I'm looking at Martin Luther King and there's a rare picture that Dr. King, like he looks like he was like stressed out of his brain. You know what I mean? Like what the, what's going on, right? Because many a call of you are chosen for certain things. And it looked in that moment like, Dr. King was like, I don't know. It, that picture looked like that it was a stress picture, right? Then I hear that I had a dream speech, right? And then it's sort of like that I had a dream it was like, oh, even if I don't see it, y'all going to see it. You see what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, looking at King, looking at Kennedy, you know, I could keep going. Um, with different course of history, we go through these periods where it just looks like completely like what the hell is going on but keep in mind love always conquer hate i'm telling y'all when people is like the country's divided i understand what y'all saying but if i was to gather the amount of people in the country love would conquer hate it always does the echo of hate though sounds so loud that at times we're like, is there really love here? And I promise you like, um, love is here. It's gonna go heavy. Um, and I encourage everybody that is listening right now. Um, and I could tell you 1 trillion percent that, um, I mean, this is probably my first time saying this, is this breaking news probably. So within the breaking news, um, I have to go with Joe Biden, right? And I'm saying this, I need everybody to hear me. Like, at the end of the day, it's important. Uh, my daughter, who's 15 years old, as she grows up, it's important for her to think that certain things are not the norm. 
You know what I mean? Like if a kid is inspired to be something tomorrow, it's so important that the leader that we choose is an example of what we want our future to be. So now I'm not literally discussing policies with y'all, right? Because you'll be like, okay, Clef, um, well, in your situation, wouldn't you want to go with Donald Trump? It would be much easier for you, right? Because, right? Then I would say no, because at the end of the day, it's really not about me. It's about the masses. Like, it's about the middle class. My parents came from the middle class. And at the end of the day, how do we get it back to fairness? The, the idea of how many people is not employed. The idea of... I don't want to tell the American people this because I do not want to alarm them that this thing is airborne. Um, so all of this like is not normal. So um, I think that, um, and at the end of the day, people are like, man, listen, man. And I'm talking in behalf of someone who has Democrats in my family, Republicans in my family, independents on my family. Um, and I have to sway on the side of Joe Biden on this one. It comes down to values and morals at this point, I believe. One hundred percent. And, you know, because we could debate, you know, politics to the floor. Um, I just say to your last point, common sense, you know what I mean? Um, and it has to be a representation of us, all of us in America. So, Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate, appreciate your time and congratulations on your podcast. Thank you so much. And uh, y'all can follow me on the at Wyclef Jean. And I'm, I'm going to see what y'all doing too. I'm going to look up y'all and, and some cool stuff. All right. Talk to you later. Y'all stay blessed. I have Jag Mac here. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey how's, how's it going? going? Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's a lot of you. You're a sibling group, right? You're all brothers and sisters. That's right. One and family. you're from and you're from Baltimore, is that correct originally? Yeah. So we live in Maryland, but we're in more of like the Annapolis area. So not, okay. not quite the city, but yeah. Born and raised in Baltimore. There's there's five out of the six are here in attendance. And so why don't we go over there? Um, I'm just trying to on my left. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Alyssa. I am the second oldest of the bunch. And uh, yeah. How's it going? I'm May. And Joe, I'm the middle child. How's <laughs> going? I'm Gabriel. I'm, I follow after him, I guess. <laughs> right, and I'm Angelique. Hey. <laughs> I'm the fifth out of six kids. Nice. I mean, I would still say I'm a middle child. Though. What? what? Yeah. You're, you're, you're middle. You're in between somebody. You're in between yeah. somebody. Yeah. What's up? My name is Jared. And I got voted off the couch, so I have to stand up. <laughs> There's not enough room here. <laughs> and J Jared, are you the youngest? I am, yeah. You look like you look like the baby. You got the baby. I think it's maybe oh, the yeah. lack of facial hair because your brother's got some got some facial hair going on. So, That's yeah, got Yeah, no, yeah. but for those who um, didn't know, Jack Mac actually stands for all of our names from youngest to oldest. Mm -hmm. We're actually missing our older brother CJ. He couldn't make it with us this time, but he's also in the band. And uh, his name is CJ, so Jack Mac. Yeah, let's put his face in. Don't put his face in. should hold a poster with his face. Yeah, just a like, cardboard cutout. You should have like a giant, one of those giant cardboard cutout hands. You know what? You know what? Yeah. Come here. Oh, she's going to grab his face. We're going we're gonna to hold this as a performance. Oh, oh, adorable, adorable, adorable. I'll hold 
Yeah. Tell me about what's what song you're gonna play. What what are you gonna play today? Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so this is our first official acoustic version of our newest single called Motivation. Yeah. Um, we just released it last week. The video is up on YouTube. Please go check it out. It's a lot, a lot of fun. We got to play different characters and I don't want to spoil it, but you definitely have to go check it out for yourself. Okay, great. Well, take it away, guys. One, two, three, and... Tell my mother I'll be good Tell my father don't be stressed about the bank Go ten times harder than I should So we'll find a place with no worries one day Uno, dos, tres, cuatro Started out loving the family Now we got love for the fans Singing from a karaoke To selling our trust in Japan, yeah Oh, I make it ever way I'm like, get out Ain't got the time in a jail Cause now I'm just like, yeah, oh no Thank you so much, guys. That was great. That was great. So go ahead and shout out your socials while we have you here. Absolutely. So if you're interested in what you hear, you guys, we are Jag Mac. You can find us at Jag Mac Music on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Yes, definitely follow us on TikTok. We've got some awesome TikToks for you guys. And yeah, for more. Absolutely. We always have things coming out, so definitely keep in touch. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. All right, Demi, we did it. That was our 50th show. 
And what a show that was. We had the one and only Wyclef. Um, that was probably one of the most inspirational conversations I've ever had with anyone in my entire life. Thank you to Wyclef for being on our 50th show. And thank you to Jagmac for performing. And thank you for listening to It's Real with Jordan and Bimmy. We couldn't do the show without our listeners and our viewers. You can find us on Instagram at Jordan and Demi Show. And you can go to popdust.com for an archive of all our shows dating back to April when we started the show. See you next time.